on that trophy. Second season running, that she's done so in the colours of Manchester City. Oh, lovely footwork there from Weah! A special goal in a special game from Caroline Weah. That is world class. That is outstanding. A worldie from Weah. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of MCW Fancast. I'm Emma, thanks for listening. On this week's episode, we're joined by Paul and Dave as we reflect on last weekend's Manchester derby in front of a record crowd at the Academy Stadium. A big three points secured against our rivals and a dominant team performance which ensured Man City women remain in contention for a Champions League spot. Speaking at full-time following City's 1-0 win against United, thanks to a Caroline Weir moment of brilliance to break the deadlock, hear from both Mark Skinner and Gareth Taylor giving their thoughts on the game. Yeah, we weren't as fluid as we needed to potentially be today. And there's always going to be moments like that. I mean, look, it's a a great goal, but something that can be avoided. They They got fortunate in terms of where the ball drops, but it's a great finish. We're disappointed in us not maybe taking some 1v1s more aggressively and being more front foot in that aspect. But a lot of their possession was backwards and sideways. So it's about point. It's about the possession of they're trying to work you side to side because they have 10. So they're trying to get into your pockets quickly. So, no, I don't think if you look at Manchester City, whenever they play, most teams have a lot of possession. Um, for us, it's about what you do when you have your possession. I felt that there were, there were moments where we were, we were quite good in that and then there's other moments where you know you have to you have to continue to be patient and I think that that's something we'll continue to learn from as well I mean they were helped a little bit by referees at times in terms of the little bit of the unfair bias I felt but that's not not a deflection away from the result so one of my reflection points instantly is that in these games when it's windy when it's learn about the ugly parts of the game and you've got to impose yourself on the opponent no matter where they are we need to be way more aggressive in that 1v1 duels and that challenges. And I don't think that's for a, lang- a, a lack or, or not want to do that. I just feel that we've, I think Manchester City have a lot of experienced players that have been around this league for a long time. We're embedding quite a lot of players in how we want to. They'll learn that and they'll get better at that. Yeah, exactly that. I thought it was a, a really dominant performance. I thought we, uh, we started the game really well. We, we dominated most of the phases. Our pressing was good. Um, we really limited United to very few kind of moments. Um, I'd probably say the only thing in the first, first half was we had 10 attempts, only one on target, uh, on goal. So we needed to improve on that slightly. And, uh, but, you know, United make it difficult for you. They defend the, the, the box and the goal quite well. But again, yeah, just really delighted for the players because I think they really deserve that. I think sometimes you don't always get what you deserve, but I thought today we, we were better team by far controlled the play really well against a good team you know we we understand the importance of how big that three points is uh, I think it was a year yesterday when she did that the fixture here last season when we beat them here and it was a different feeling today because that was special in itself um, but with having the supporters here today in a full house and record crowd it just felt amazing the, the celebration was great and I arguably think that probably that is potentially a better execution than last year which was some goal uh, just more so because she was under pressure from a couple of United players she received well in between the lines to, to execute that type of finish under pressure is, is really difficult yeah to have a to be able to have that option to bring on a player like that and we had good options today from the, from the sidelines and that's something we've lacked earlier in the season and I think it's uh, it's great sometimes you um, 
you make those changes and they work. Sometimes you make them and they don't work. So that was one that really went well for us today. Yeah, I am. I always look at our performance. I always look at, you know, the kind of way we build from the back, the, the way we retain possession, the attempts we have at goal, the times we arrive in the final third. I thought that was a City performance today. And like I said previously, sometimes you don't always get what you deserve, but I thought we really deserved that today. We probably could have been ahead by a few more goals. Yeah, just to get the win today is, is massive and um, it really keeps us in the hunt. You know, probably for, first thing, and, and let's have it, Let's have it straight with, with the weather conditions. I think anyone who was in the stadium today would realise that it was very, very difficult. It's a horrible day today. It's freezing, it's windy. And, you know, sometimes that game being sold out three or four days ago, people don't turn up, but people turned up today. And I, I hope, I'm pretty certain that they would have gone away feeling great, particularly the blue side. But the brand of football that we played was, was a great advert for not just the women's game, but for football in general. And I always pride myself on the way we play and but more so for the way we the way we won in terms of the way we battled, the way we dictated the play, the way we dominated the possession, the way we, you know, won our duels, a lot of the duels, majority of the time. Sometimes we've not had those results go our way earlier in the season, but it was great today. We deserved it. The celebration was great to be able to celebrate with our supporters. Like I say, we won this game last last year, but it had a bit of a different feeling to it. It was a great feeling, but you know, nothing like today. And it's so good having the supporters back with us. Hi, I'm Esme Morgan, and you're listening to MCW Fancast. Great to be joined by Dave and Paul again on the podcast and um, following on from Sunday's result at the uh, CFA against United, their 1-0 win in the derby. Um, just obviously because we previewed the game, we thought it would be great to have Dave and Paul back on so we can sort of look back on it too and, and what a great game it was. Dave, let's start with you first. I mean, how did you feel match day heading into the game? Yeah, well, nervous because it's a derby and you're going into it and there's as we discussed at great length last week, it was a game we couldn't afford to lose. Uh, you know, both myself, Paul, and you, Emma, we stated last week that we wanted to go into it and make them worry about us and us to play our, our top game. Um, so, yeah, and that's what happened when I first saw the teams. I was uh, surprised Ruby didn't stay in and we saw it last week. Would it be Ellen White up top? Will it be Bunny? So, you know, but, you know, I don't think there was much. It depends on what Gareth's plans were. Uh, Alana Kennedy coming back, you know, I thought, you know, played well. Um, so going into the game, nervous because it was a derby, nervous because we, could, we couldn't afford to not win the game. But as I said last week, confident because we are playing a lot better. We were at home and we had to win the game. And Paul, for you, did it feel like, obviously, Dave just said there, you know, Ruby Mace, obviously... Uh, back on the bench um, and, and obviously um, Kennedy was chosen ahead of her. Do you think he went with the experience? I, I think it was entirely the right decision for two reasons. I think he wanted an experienced centre-half and I, I think we saw the best of Alana Kennedy at the weekend. That's the first time she's put a full shift in and looked like the quality player that walks into the Australian side. And, and I think it's right to manage Ruby Mace's uh, progress. She's still a young developing player a body's still developing. And so I think it was right to manage the game time. Um, and I think, you know, so I think that's a very sensible thing to, 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 for Gareth to do. And, and I think I would say, you know, 
I think we've we've had problems with Gareth during this season, but I think we have to now give him full credit. Now he's got a full squad for getting that team playing in such an organised and professional way. You know, he's showing now what a really good coach the team say he is. And I think us as fans need to, for those fans that have said that Gareth out, they need to eat the, you know, eat those words and accept that he's a really, really good coach when he's got something like a full squad to um, play with. And as Dave rightly said, he made the big call and put, put Ellen Wright up front. And Ellen Wright absolutely tore their defence to pieces. She didn't score, but she, everything she did was high quality. And, and they just didn't know how to deal with her all afternoon. It, it was a masterclass in how to be a centre forward um, uh, and showed again, once again, what a great player she is. It was, it was dead funny with Ellen White. I think I tweet, tweeted it as well. Ellen, as they had their pre-match huddle, she she left the huddle and she, she came over to the fans on the east side of the stadium. It was just like, come on! <laughs> you know, like you could tell she was up for it. And I just thought, you know what? If Ellen White's on top of her game today, you know, if she's in that kind of mood, you know she's going to have a good day, game and get those fans behind that team. And she really, really rallied everyone as well. Yeah, she did. And I mean, we, we can touch on the fans and, and, the, and the atmosphere and everything later, but on the Ellen White thing, um, if you seek out Sue Smith's analyst, uh, analysing of the game from Monday on Sky, I think it's available as a clip on Twitter. Uh, I've certainly retweeted it. It's been retweeted on the OSC. She shows what, what Ellen did what she was in the team for, the way that she um, occupied United's defence and made them worry about her leaving space for the likes of Jess and Lauren to, to make runs almost on the blind side, which worked throughout the game. I mean, she must have been absolutely shattered by the end of the game, Ellen White, because she never stopped on Sunday. She never stopped causing them problems. I mean, the only thing missing you could say from a centre-forward was, was a goal, but other than that, her, her out her play... And the the, the 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 handful she was for the whole of that United defence from first minute to last was outstanding. It was a joy to watch. And it, it really sometimes goes a little bit unnoticed, that sort of work, because the other players flying in sometimes get the thing. And if Lauren had scored, which you'd have put your house on early doors when she had that chance, yeah. I think I think it wouldn't have even been as close a game as it, you know, as it turned out to be in the, in the score line. Because I don't think it was a close game. I thought we were the better side from the start um, and we deserved the win. Yeah, I mean, perhaps now looking back, you know, you've got an Ellen White that hasn't had that many minutes in recent games, but boy, did she make up for it in that game? You know, you could tell she was rested, she was raring to go, and you know, perhaps that was a bit of a a bit of a masterclass decision there in terms of uh, that, um, you know, the the picking of the team from Gareth Taylor. I think I think what what was what we were talking about in the in the podcast last week was we needed to start start really well, and I think we were at it from minute one to minute ninety seven or whatever it was. You know they were absolutely on it from the first moment. They were hunting in packs. They were hunting the United players down. A very inexperienced team. I've got a lot of respect for what Matt Skinner's done at United. I actually think he's a better manager than Casey Stoney. I think he's done a better job there than Stoney, but. They are a very inexperienced side and they got found out on Sunday by a, by a team of full internationals virtually hunting them down in packs like the men do. Uh, you, if you watch the men's game, when, when City men lose the ball, very rarely, they hunt that ball down in, a, in packs and that's what City did. You watch you know, that midfield, three or four players on, on United players every time they got the ball in possession. They didn't know what to do with it and you know, it's a credit to the team. It was a full-on 
90-minute effort by a, a, a team of players determined to show what they could do and knowing, as Dave rightly says, if they didn't win that game and even the draw, it would have meant the Champions League was very, very difficult for us. Now we're right back in it, right back in that in, in, the, in the top three. You know, Tottenham are third. And don't forget, we battered them in the Conti Cup. So we shouldn't fear anyone in that league now, aside, aside from the top two. And we've had good results against them as well. So, you know, if we put a run together, I can see us being in that first spot quite easily. Gareth Taylor spoke about those runs as well. You know, he knows within the side that we can we can have a good run of form and get that momentum. And, you know, does it start with this win against United? You know, I'm sure that'll give confidence to the squad heading back, obviously, from the international break. I mean, we'll have the, the FA Cup first, but again, it's United, you know, and, and in terms of, you know, a bit of a curtain raiser, you know, it's it's a good result to, you know, probably use to kind of build on from obviously that performance and take to the LSV. But in terms of United, were you quite surprised by the way they played? Because, you know, we've seen them play aggressively. Um, you know, Mark Skinner's got them, got them sort of playing, like I said, that bit more aggressively. And he spoke about those sort of one-on-one battles. And do you think, I mean, I, I don't want to use the word respect, but... <laughs> Because in a derby, I, I don't think you you really see any respect in that. But we had so much of the ball, so much possession. It was almost like a bit of a muted performance from, from United. I mean, did that surprise you? Well, I don't think we let them play. As Paul said, I mean, I go, we, were, we were on it from, from minute one. We didn't give them a moment's peace. When they had the ball, we were hunting them. When we had the ball, we controlled. I thought our midfield controlled, controlled the game, controlled the pace of the game. Uh, and I don't think that changed throughout the whole 90 minutes. Yes, you know, they had players out. You know, um, uh, Leah Golton was one that I was expecting to see playing, didn't play, for instance. So, you know, I'm sure United fans would point to that, that certain players were out, you know, Millie Turner, people like that. But I don't think, I think as we stated last week, we wanted us to go into it and let them worry about our game. And I think that's what we did. I thought we dominated the game. I just thought, to use an old term, I think we wanted it more. Um, United always knew that a draw would suit them better. And if they'd have got a nil-nil at the end of that game, I think they would have been delighted. I think they would have been absolutely delighted to have come through that game unscathed, um, considering how well we played in it. Um, again, if we'd have taken one of those early chances, maybe it could have been a completely different, more open game, who knows. Um, but as the game went on at nil-nil second half, they would have definitely taken that, I think. Yeah. Uh, they would have celebrated and seen that as a great, great result. But luckily, you know, we got the breakthrough eventually, which we can talk about. But I think we deserved it. I really do. I thought we were the better team. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I think I think I think if you look at, you know, we've now got pretty much a full squad. You look at our bench, our bench was far better than ours, theirs. We had loads of options to bring on. Bunny Shaw's banging form, you know, Ruby Mace, um, Jeanette, <laughs> poor old Janine Becky, you know, she's you know, world and a gold medalist and can't get can't get even get in the team at the moment. But you know, look, you look at the team that that, that played on Sunday. Demi Stokes had the best game of, of the season so far. She was, I thought, she was outstanding. Lucy Bronze looked like the Lucy Bronze of old. You know, Alex Green was for me the best centre half in the league, possibly in Europe. She was absolutely brilliant, and she was wearing a mask. You know, taking a risk with an injury. And as Dave says the midfield was unbelievable. I mean, you know, Georgia Stanway completely disciplined performance. You know, George can be a bit of a ticking time bomb in our team because of the way she plays. But her discipline with Vicky Lasada was was unbelievable. And, 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 you know, Kira Walsh, absolutely. I thought she was the player of the, the game by a mile. She totally mm. bossed that midfield. And then up front, we had two, two 
Jess Parker, I thought, was the better of the two wingers uh, at the weekend. But that shows the quality in the side. You know, both those, I mean, their right back will still be waking up in the night two days later in a cold sweat because they tore her to pieces. And, you know, fair play that she sort of soldiered on, but she had, she was nowhere near, you know, her, our team all, all game. And it was just, just an, you know, a nightmare for her. And Jess Parker, I thought, was great. So, you know, it was just a great team performance. And obviously we've got England's number one back. So I, I don't think we let them play. I think they, they just didn't have an answer to the intensity of City's pressing and the quality of our possession when we had it. We were, we, we were in total control uh, of the ball. Uh, and, you know, we never looked like we were going to concede a goal for me. Yeah, I think defensively, United were pretty solid. I think they did well. Midfield, attack, not so, not so much at all. They didn't offer much at all, in fact. They failed to really impose themselves on the game. And um, we dominated, you know, and the stats obviously speak for themselves. And we fought hard. We were creative. And I think last week we spoke about the difference would be, you know, how clinical we can be in front of goal. And we were creative. But again, in terms of shots on target in shots and, you know, there weren't many, was there? Um, but you, you always kind of felt that City were, and, and like you said, deserving of obviously getting that goal, you know, and it and we fought hard for it and it, it finally came. And I think it was that moment, you, if you knew it was going to come, it was going to come through a bit of a moment of magic and something, it was going to be something very special. And for Caroline Weir to obviously contribute and be that impact sub from the bench was unbelievable. And uh, again, just outdone, uh, by a moment of brilliance, I mean, Mary Earps has got to be like in a spin because <laughs> because she's outdone by the, a carbon copy of the same bloody goal. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, I mean, I, how I, do you I even not, write that in football? I just could not believe it when she did it. It was almost as if it was an action replay and you were live at the game. It was unbelievable that it, it was so such a similar goal. Now, obviously, we've seen it since on social media playing it on the same screen as last year's. And it's just, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're both absolute worldies, aren't they? As was the one at the Etihad in a different way. But it was just unbelievable to the same player scoring the same goal at the same end of the ground against the same goalkeeper. The only difference was the colour of Mary Earp's shirt <laughs> on those two clips. It was unbelievable. I could not believe it. You're right, it was. I mean, that shouldn't take away, you know, everyone's been talking about it being the same as last year's, but let's not take away the brilliance of that goal. You know, she says she does it in training a lot and she tries it and everything. Well, I mean, it was beautiful. It was absolutely perfect again, just like last year's, an absolute perfect finish, chip, lob, whatever you want to describe it. Describe it as a lob on some of the things. I don't see that as a yeah, lob. lob yeah. it, was, it, was, it was just, it was beautiful. It was a great goal and Ertz was nowhere near it because it was right in the top corner again. And, you know, she they must hate her. They must absolutely despise her because that's three times now that she scored absolute worldies, you know, against them. And we needed it so badly. It was, it, it shapes the rest of our season, that win for me. Yeah. It really does. And we needed that win so badly and we deserved it. And when it went in, you could almost feel the tea and then you're thinking, right, now concentrate now because you've got your goal, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a bit of a scramble just after it. And I was thinking, don't concede now because you worked so hard to get this lead. It's an absolute banger of a goal that's gone in. You know, let's get these points. And I, I honestly believe it shapes the rest of the season. I really mean that. Yeah, I mean, I think Mark Skinner kind of spoke at the end of the game as if it, as if it was luck. And, it, and it, 
it, I mean, what what was he watching? I mean, what was he watching? I mean, she created that herself. She yeah, got the ball. You don't score a goal like that. You don't score yeah, a goal like know, that. I'm sorry, you don't. I mean, she she got she got the ball off off Zellum for starters. She made a space for herself. She took her time. She knew where she wanted it to be. She placed. She she hit it perf- perfectly. That was Caroline Weir. That was made by herself. There was no go. There was no luck in it whatsoever. The wind maybe played its part, but other than that, the execution was spot on. And, and Caroline Weir made that goal, and it was made in Manchester. <laughs> well, and that the one she scored last year and the one at the Etihad, which is a different type of goal, were both nominated for Pushkas Awards, weren't they? And I would not be surprised to see this one get nominated. I actually think this goal, this goal was actually better than the one from slightly, last year. Because... Slightly a little tiny bit yeah. further out, so possibly better, yeah. But she basically wasn't lucky. She didn't she didn't just think, oh, I'll hit that. You know, if someone has a shot and it's going wide and it hits one of their defenders and goes in the other corner, maybe. That's not what happened. It, it, she totally meant it. So it's not luck, it was skill. I think Sue Smith made a good point in Sky when she said that Caroline Weir could have just come on as a sub and been sulking because she'd walk into that United side. She, you know, she'd just walk into that team. She could be sulking and saying, I should have been playing today, but she didn't. And she came on because she's a good pro. And as you say, she robbed the ball off Zellum. She created the chance. She hunted her down, robbed her, then created the space. And it's about technique. You know, good players have great technique. And we know Caroline's got great technique. She passes well. She, you know, she she hits good shots all the time. She went for that. That wasn't a, a miss hit. That wasn't her just taking a punch. She thought, I've seen her off the line. I saw it last season. I'm going to do it again. Bang, straight in. Uh, it was all about technique. There was no luck involved in that. I mean, he could have hit the bar. It might have just gone over. But the way it was dipping, it dipped right over Mary Earps. And Mary Earps, who's... who's who's not my favourite keeper, but it's not a bad keeper, was literally stranded. She could get nowhere near it. So anyone that thinks that that's luck, it, it doesn't watch in football because great players do those sort of goals time and time again. That's three absolute worldies she's banged in in a derby, in, in high-pressure derbies. So let, let's not take anything away from a very good not learned from it. Well, I, I just, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, you could have had Edison in goal. You could have had anyone in goal. No keeper was going to get near that because of the technique. She just saw it and she reacted instinctively. And because she's got great technique, she was able to bang it in. And, you know, it, it'll be the, it'll certainly be our goal of the season, I think. And as Dave rightly says, it's a game changer for the rest of the season because now we can kick on and, and really, you know, power towards that, you know, uh, potentially winning a, um, a, a third, third place. You know, we shouldn't fear Chelsea in the Conte Cup and we shouldn't fear United in the FA Cup either. It's hard to really find any positives with United. I usually do try and balance it out, but it was that bad. I actually can't. I think the only good opportunity that United actually did has was was only moments before Caroline Weir's goal where Martha Thomas is pretty much in a one-on-one with Ellie and Ellie comes out and just dominates and, and you know, sort of, just what Ellie does. This is the only way I can describe it is what we've missed from Ellie is, you know, those split decisions that, you know, can potentially change the game. And, you know, she just, you know, she was confident. She came out, she, you know, she beat Martha Thomas to the ball in those one-on-one sort of, that one-on-one sort of situation. And, and yeah, the, the attack's off and, and, you know, it's a, it's out of place. So I'm, you know, I thought, you know, for the little that, 
Ellie had to do in that game, and she didn't have to do much. Let's be honest. I mean, she was practically running up and down, the, <laughs> up and down the wings to try and warm up at times, uh, Ellie. So, you know, she had little to do. And again, sort of United offered little in terms of attack or little in terms of, you know, that threat up front, really. Yeah, their best chance probably from a corner where they headed it just wide. I think that might have been Martha Thomas, you know, set piece. They had a shot from another two, which was curling on time, but Ellie dealt with it. Like I say, I honestly believe if they finished nil nil, they'd have been they'd have been over the moon with that. You know, they would always try and snatch a goal on the break off from a set piece, obviously, because you do, but it would have been a sucker punch for us, but we didn't get it. But nil nil would have been a great result for them because it would have kept five points between us, wouldn't it? So it hasn't done, and we've got what we deserved. And that, but it's, it's only the start. We've got to push on. We've yeah. got to put one of these runs together now. We've played Chelsea, we've played Arsenal, we've played United twice in the league. The teams we've got left to play, we've got to go to Spurs, I think, in the next league game, which we, admittedly we've got United in the cup and I think the cup final against Chelsea before we even play again in the WSL. But when it comes to that Spurs game, that's another one. You know, we need to go there and get something. Um, hopefully, we can play against them like we did against them in the, in the semi-final the other week and dominate those as well. But that's another big game. We've got to push on. Fantastic. I totally agree, Dave. I mean, to be honest with you, Spurs could still be playing now after that County Cup semi-final. They still won't be scoring. They did nothing all, all, all night. You know, they were terrible. I mean, they were worse than United. Um, mm. There was nothing to fear in that side. At all. Um, I mean, obviously, it's, when you're away, it's slightly different. But we shouldn't fear them. There's no one apart from Chelsea and Arsenal that we should think we can't beat. You know, if we apply ourselves in the way we have recently, there's no one in that league that we shouldn't be beating. 11 full internationals pretty much every week should be beating the likes of Villa, should be beating the likes of Birmingham easily. Uh, and, we, you know, don't forget, we absolutely battered Brighton. We were a decent side. You know, in that second mm-hmm. half, we tore them to pieces. So if we can, I think the key for us now is to be more clinical at taking our chances. If we do that, then we will beat teams quite comfortably. I still think we still, if we're honest with ourselves, aren't quite as clinical as we'd like to be. We create lots of chances. We just got to put a few more of them away. But that's starting to come because, you know, you're starting to see you know, our two world-class fullbacks pushing up as well. And that creates all sorts of problems for teams when you've got, Two world-class wingers, two world-class fullbacks pushing on. You know, there's there's not many teams in the WSL, with the exception of Chelsea and Arsenal, that, that can live with that. Um, and we should have beat Arsenal at our place. You know, we were very unlucky yeah. uh, with that. And and you know, although we lost to Chelsea, again, there was nothing in that game either. You know, we we become the best of the. You know, we joined the top three in my view again in terms of the qualities. So now. We can't take our eye off the ball. We now need to go and beat those teams that we should be able to beat. The Reddings, the Tottenham's, the uh, you know the, the the whoever we've got left of the other teams because we can beat them and we can come third. And if we came third and picked up one of the trophies, given where we were before Christmas, you think that was a pretty pretty damn good season? Yeah, it would be brilliant that because um, like you say, where we were when we were losing at Arsenal and. All the players were out injured to, to end the season third and with the trophy would be brilliant. I, you know, I think they, we'll talk probably we've got the FA Cup game at United and we'll talk about that. That's next. Then that cup final against uh, Chelsea. Yeah, we're probably slight underdogs in that. I think it's a free hit for us that one. We go for it. We go yeah. there and we, yeah. we play as well as we can and we can see if we can bring that trophy home. There's no reason in a one-off game why we can't. Chelsea have not been firing on full cylinders recently themselves. They've been struggling to score goals, which sounds a bit silly. With the squad they've got, but if you look at the recent results, they've not been scoring well. You know, so we'll come to that County Cup final. We've always got a chance with the players we've got. 
I think it's a free hit because no one outside of maybe our fan base expects us to beat Chelsea, so we never know. We've done it before, though. We've beat Arsenal when we were a massive underdog one year in the Conti Cup final. And then we've got to, if we win that, celebrate and then switch and then it's a run until the end of the season and WSL game. Every game is going to be crucial, I think, from now on in. I think you said it there. I, I don't think we're quite the finished article just yet. There's still a lot of work to do. Um, but given the sort of situation, given the season so far, I think we turned that corner a little bit. And I think there was a little bit on obviously getting those players back that we've, you know, spoke at, at, about a depth in depth. But really to see that come into fruition, I think is, I, I don't want to say it's come as a bit of a relief, but I think it takes some of the pressure off Gareth, perhaps, that he is really starting to get the best out of the players that he's got. And, you know, those performances really are starting to come together. So I think in terms of looking ahead, things certainly do look brighter. And I think as a manager for Gareth, you know, I think there's, you know, lots of little, you know, good positive things that he can celebrate. I mean, you know, we're in a Connie Cup final, you know, really towards the end of last season, at the end of last year, sorry, was that something fans perhaps thought we could achieve given the sort of run of results that we were having. Perhaps it's, it's you know, a mini little goal, if you like, that, we, <laughs> that we're able to compete domestically for a trophy that does, you know, does have history with City and, and does mean a lot as well. Definitely. I mean, you ask any fans, let's say last September, October, if they want a cup final in March, yeah. I think most of them have said no chance, we're not playing well enough. So it, it's a positive. Of course it is. I think Gareth will be sat there now for two weeks, just praying everyone comes back fit and well. There's a lot of players going out on international duty. I mean, beyond the Lionesses, you know, you've got Bunny there, you've got Janine off with Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blackstad, you know, they're all all involved. And Gareth, I think, will be crossing his fingers to get them all back. Yeah. And then he can really push on. The other thing we've got to sort of also bear in mind is that the likes of Lucy Bronze, who have come back off long-term injuries, it's, it takes a while for them to get back up to full match fitness. And I think we saw the best of the best so far of Lucy since she's been back. So I think we should be mindful that whilst we've got all the players back, some of them are still getting up to match fitness. You know, even you know, um, you know, even Ellie, you know, who, who I thought played really well um, and showed a quality. You know, it'll take a little bit to get back to that sharpness. So as we get towards the end of the season and they're getting those those minutes under the belt domestically and internationally, I think that's gonna that's gonna help the team gel as well. And I you know I I think there's nothing to fear from Arsenal and Chelsea now. We, we're back to full strength. We're, we're starting to show the quality that we've got. And I think Gareth has, has weathered the storm both with the with the pundits and with the fans. And we're starting to see that he's a decent coach and, and tactically set him up well on Sunday. You know, they, they had, they, they, there was a game plan, there was a clear game plan. And I know a lot of the older fans are big fans of Nick Cushing, but I always felt with Nick, there was never a plan B. Whereas I think with, with uh, Gallup, I think there is a plan B. I think, he, I think he's got more options tactically uh, that he can deploy. And so let's, let's, let's see. I think the big, challenge will be next season for Gareth when he's when we come back in hopefully with a reasonably full squad uh, and we want to hit the ground running and be challenging for the top because let's face it with the resources we've got the players we've got the investment from the owners we should be in the Champions League we should be confident we could win the Champions League and we should definitely be thinking we can win the title because we're definitely one of the best teams full strength in that league so 
next season, we want to aim really high because I think we're starting to bring not only you know experienced players back, but also bringing in some really good young players like you know Blastard and those sort of players who are just really good signings. So you know, let's let's stick with Gareth because I think he's he's done a tough, difficult job under really tough circumstances. Can I ask you both a question? Just because you've mentioned it there. Looking, obviously, ahead to next season, if, obviously, we're to qualify for Champions League next season, which trophy would mean more to you? Would it, would it be the European or would it, would it be the domestic league purely because it's been so long since, you know, we've won it? If you could take either or, which, which would it be? Well, here's the thing. I follow both teams. With the men's team, it's always the Premier League, always, because that's the true test of a team over a season. You know, the Champions League is a bit of a lottery. I mean, Spurs got to the final one year and they were terrible. Liverpool won it with the worst team ever. You know, so it's a lottery, the, the Champions League. For me, the WSL is the number one target. We should, you know, we've only won it once. If it's a club of our size and investment, that's not good enough. So we need to win the WSL. That, for me, is the number one target. All the other stuff is icing on the cake. But both, in, both for the men's team and the women's team, it's got to be the Premier League. It's got to be the Super League because that's a true test of how good a side is over a full season. I think that as well, from the fans' point of view, purely from the fans' point of view rather than the club. The club might be different, uh, both on the men's side, as Paul says as well, it is the league because the Champions League is a cup competition at the end of the day. and We all know cup competitions. It's on the day sometimes, isn't it? The league is the true test. I totally agree with everything Paul's just said there. You know, there's no reason why we can't win both. There's no reason why we can't win the WSL, get this squad experienced in winning things and go for the Champions League next season, season after. There's no reason why it can't, they can't both be on the agenda. They should be on the agenda, both of them, definitely. Uh, the club will definitely see it that way as well. But if, you, if you're asking me to choose next season, which one I'd choose to win, I would like to see us win the WSL. We've been very close only won it once. We've been close a couple of times. We had about four or five second place finishes. We need to turn that. We need to just do that one more step and win a win a few more leagues, which I think we can do. Yeah, I do really feel that the the Super League is really important. Last like start of the season, you know, you you get a lot of people asking you, oh, you know, how do you think you'll do this season? You know, what do you want to win? You know, and I remember me and Jane were going like. At the start of the season, we were like, we're going to win everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now, you know, you look back at it, you just think, well, you know, you never know how it's going to play out. But, you know, I believe, I've always believed in the squad. I've always believed in the players. We have got quality in abundance. You know, you can't obviously, uh, you know, begin to, you know, predict what's going to happen in terms of, you know, managing players, managing fitness, managing injuries. You know, COVID, is, you know, again, has still played its part as well. We've, we've got, to, you know, you have to factor that in too. So, you know, I think it's harder for teams. And I think we've seen that as well in the results that we've seen across the season. You know, when you look at other teams too and other oppositions around us, you know, we've all had our fair share of, you know, uh, things go against us. And, and I think that's what's made this season that little bit more competitive competitive in terms of results it makes for a better league of course it does um it doesn't make it better for other team fans when you know we're outside you know where we should be because I, I still believe you know we're a top two team and and should be battling at the top of the table I think the results obviously that we've had have, have for sure played a part and gone against us and 
it's just about getting that consistent consistency and now if we can see out the rest of the season with that consistency with that momentum getting those results and then um, putting ourselves in a, in, in a strong position I mean you don't want to be in a position where you're relying on other teams around you to drop points but you just want to be there just in case because you never know what might happen and we've just got to control what we can as a team which is you know a philosophy that Nick's always said and I'm sure it's one that Gareth has too yeah, you can only control your own performances. Of course you can, yeah. You don't want to be relying on anyone else. Yeah, that's been an odd season when you look at it. If you'd have asked fans from across the whole, you know, every every club at the start of the season, do you think going into the start of March, Tottenham, Tottenham would be sat in a Champions League place? I don't think many would have said they would. No, no, no one would. No one. Probably not even. Even Tottenham fans are like, what's going on? And that shows you what an odd season it has been. There's been some odd results. Reading had a terrible start, then went on a brilliant run, and suddenly they were up to fourth or fifth last week, you know, before they got beat. You know, it it has been an odd season for things. There's been reasons, and there's been, like you say, Emma, there's been an injury crisis, there's been COVID, there's been, you know, the top two have stayed the same, but even Chelsea have lost more games than last season. I think they did lose one or two. We only lost one game last season. We finished runners up. So it, there's been more defeats for everybody right across the board. It's just been an odd season, but it is still there. It's quite odd because the last few seasons we've finished second and we've been disappointed. We could end up finishing third this season and be more excited about it because we finished third and could we pick up, a, say, a pot on the way in one of the two cups? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most people, you've got to look at the season in context. I know history tends to not, it just says who won what in each year. But those of us that are living through it and, and know the, the trials and tribulations of this team this season, you know, you'd have to be happy if, if we took third place in a trophy. It would be it would be a successful season and then you kick on from that. But like Paul said last week, the one thing we, we cannot level at this team this season has been the fight and the commitment to the team by the players who were there. If you look at Alex Greenwood, there were times when she was absolutely holding the team together, controlling it. She was, you know, because there were so many people out injured. It was unbelievable. And Alex was outstanding in that period, I thought. Because, mm. you know, it must have been hard for her being one of the more experienced players as well. You know, things like that. You've got to take the positives out of it. And there's a major one, for instance, the way the togetherness of the team and the squad. And if you look at when they scored the winner on Sunday, and Caroline scored, she headed straight for the bench, straight to Gareth. Yeah, I like and that. all the team were there awesome. together. And that was great to see. The other thing we've got to sort of also bear in mind is the standard in the WSL has increased dramatically over the last couple of years. There's no, you know, it used to be we we the bottom half of the table were just the, the whipping girls of the league. Now, any team on the day can beat any other team or get a result. Brighton were, you know, had, had a good start and have fallen away. Apart from Birmingham, probably have been a bit unlucky. There's no weak sides in this league anymore. You're not you're not going to go somewhere and think we're just going to turn up and get a six nil. All the, all the teams in the WSL have invested in their teams and have brought players in from abroad or brought people people through their academies. So there's no easy there's no easy ties anymore in this league. That's a testament to the development of the game, and that's something we've got to factor in when we think, well, perhaps you know we you know we should be the likes of so and so, but actually we shouldn't anymore because they've, they've got decent teams. The standards much higher, and on the day anyone can get a result. That's something that I think we should celebrate. But as, as you rightly say, Emma, it's, it doesn't make it easy for us as fans because you just think, oh, God, we, sh- you know, we don't want you know, tough games every week. But actually we do because that's how we grow the league. That's how we grow the brand. And that's how we can make sure instead of getting 5,000 on once a season, we can get 5,000 on 
three or four times a season because that should be the aim. But if I'm putting my hands up and being completely honest, I would rather play a game like United week in, week out, where we've really battled and fought hard to get a win than turning the team over 5-0 and yep. being dominated in, in, in the performance. I think it's more exciting. Yeah. I've got to be honest, the style of football, the way that we played, it was entertaining. And I do hope that people that have maybe been to the academy for the first time or, you know, been to watch a get women's game of football for the first time, their first derby, whatever, I hope they come back. I hope they enjoyed it as much as I did. And it gives it's 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 made them want to come back because I think that will be a true, truer indication of of where we're at in terms of growing the game and and, and those games becoming more enjoyable and more entertaining. And I, and I think that was a, a really good display, especially especially if you're a neutral fan and you're maybe getting into women's football for the first time, regardless of who you support on the day. I, I do th- think it was an advert, a really good advert for the women's game. I'm glad you say that because I, I was thinking exactly the same thing. From my point of view, I'm a City fan. It was a derby and we won. So I had the time of my life. I yeah. thought it was a great game. I thought it was brilliant. I'd be interested to see. I saw a few negative comments from so-called um, neutrals. You know, that it wasn't a great game to watch. For me, it was. But I'm biased. So I had the time of my life. I got home and watched it again. And, mm. I, and, and I haven't done that for a long time. And I used to do that a lot. But I was, I enjoyed it that much. I mean, maybe it is me because I, I enjoyed it more as a City fan than as a United fan. No, of course you're not going to enjoy it as much because you're going to be frustrated. But how many games have we had, you know, like that recently where, you know, you ended up, you've ended up frustrated. I, I did think it was a good game, you know, even if I, you try and take, you know, your team and yourself out of the, the situation, I think it was a battle, you know, I think it, it was, you know, you were just thinking, oh, when's the goal going to come? Is it going to be one of them games that United get one opportunity and they take it and then we're on the back foot? Are we going to find a way back in? You know, you've seen those games go either way. And, you know, I, I thought it, it, it kept it exciting. I, I thought it was a high quality game full of really good players with great technique, executing game plans that they'd clearly thought out. It was an absolutely brilliant advert for the game of football, not women's football or men's football, just football. You know, the, the banner that goes around the, you know, the, the, the ground is one, one club. Well, that was as good a game as I've seen all season from any team, regardless of gender. It was a fantastic advert, played in a good spirit. You know, there was some niggles, but it was played, you know, at, on the edge with great skill and technique and understanding of how you play a game plan and execute it in front of a sellout crowd. If you can't appreciate that as a football fan, then you clearly don't watch watch a lot of football because it was a brilliant atmosphere, brilliant game, fantastic. Uh, in the same way, the Chelsea game was a sellout and was a great game and a great atmosphere. You know, we're starting to see now that we, we can bring big crowds on and people can watch that and go, that's just brilliant football. That's a great game. That's money, money well spent. And if you can bring your family on for like 20 quid, 30 quid and watch that sort of quality of football, then we can grow the game. And I hope people, as you say, will come back because it's not a one-off anymore in the league. These are tight games week in, week out, watching world-class players, watching some of the best women footballers in the world for like eight quid, less than the, than the cinema ticket. 
I mean, that to me is a monumental bargain. I mean, we are targeting these games towards families, towards children. I have got to give the utmost credit to the club for the way that that game was advertised, the way the game was, the way the, the match day experience was delivered, especially for those new fans. There was lots going on in the stadium. I think it looked attractive. I think it looked uh, you know, a really good advert for the game, great for the brand. And I think it was really well done by everyone involved and uh, the stewards, security, playmakers, everyone that, you know, behind the scenes that put in the effort on the day. I, I think it was, I think it went really well. I think it was a great, yeah, great effort from everyone, like you say. Here's the kicker. The facilities can't now match the crowd. We've now got a point where the, the sort of infrastructure, the toilets, the, the catering is now creaking a bit because there's so many people there. It wasn't designed necessarily to have those full crowds. So it's a tribute to the growth of the game that the facilities themselves are struggling to cope. But that's something the club will think about, I'm sure. But for me, it's about saying five and a half thousand people turned up on a particularly grim Sunday lunchtime. Exactly. The conditions were terrible. To go into a ground which respects inclusivity, which is great. The atmosphere is not full of the aggression you often see when you're watching men's football. It's a real family atmosphere. You can take your little kids and your big kids along and your even bigger kids like me and Dave uh, and yourself, Emma, to the game and just have a relaxing, enjoyable experience where you're watching a quality product in a fantastic atmosphere. Where you know where it's lively, but it's not aggressive or horrible. It's mm -hmm. just you know fans can mingle, people can have a you know a, a bit of banter, a bit of fun. You can wave your flag, and you can be assured that your children are going to go home not having learned a few new words that they probably shouldn't have learned. You know, and that to me is why I think we look at women's football. Me and my daughter, she's seventeen, she's grown up with women's football and and loves it. And she can look at those women as role models and think, yeah, I might not be a professional footballer, but I can be something. I, and those, those women, to me, are massively important role models for the next generation of young, young women and young men that are coming through our city to say, look, these are fantastic people who really care about the club and the job that they do and, and they care about the fans. And, you know... It, you can't put a price on that. That's just priceless for me. But on the atmosphere was great because it wasn't, as you say, but it wasn't nasty. It was, but it was still there was a lot of rivalry there because it was City United. There was, you know, there was United fans in the city and behind the goal. I saw them with the shirts on and stuff. And you know, like you say, there's nothing wrong with banter and atmosphere and, and rivalry going on as well. And it was great to see the place full. It must be better for the players to run out as well to, to that sort of oh, crowd. Yeah. It must be. You know, it must be fantastic for them. They, they all like playing in front of empty stadiums. And we've just had a year of literally empty stadiums as well last season with no one in at all. So it must have been fantastic for them to run out and see the place for you. It, it was just great. I want to see that every week. That's the big question now. How do we do that every week? You know, maybe not 5,000, but, you know, pretty full every week would be fantastic. See fans behind the goals, see fans on the other side of the pitch. It's fantastic to see. I mean, it, you know, you don't want to run before you can walk. I know Paul's just talked, spoke about, you know, the stadium for facilitating fans. But I think an average attendance, you know, if we can, even if we can average, you know, 3,000 a season, you know, would be a massive improvement. I mean, we all know that the attendances are down, you know, post-COVID. I think, you know, a lot of clubs have struggled. 
you know, Chelsea and Arsenal have done really well this season and, and we should be be able to pull a crowd a good crowd too you know we we've, we play good football we've got an amazing stadium we've got great facilities the the ground is accessible you know it's it's got great transport links so let's let's hope that positive obviously from the weekend is that as i said you know we've we've made some new fans and those fans come back because i think that is you know what what is needed you know getting those fans back through to the turnstiles and and hopefully growing our average attendance yeah, and I, th- I think it's a problem for the whole of the women's game at the moment is how do you how do you build on the momentum of... I mean, who would have thought, say, five years ago that these games would be shown live on BBC Two, shown live on, on Sky Sports? You know, it was a pipe dream. You know, it, no one ever thought that we would get the level of interest that we've had in the women's game. But there is a disconnect between that high-profile television stuff and actually getting bums on seats in the ground. And it's something I know the FA are very keen to develop. It takes time. But as you say, it does seem odd that given how expensive it is to watch men's football, particularly at the Etihad, it's not a cheap experience. It's so much cheaper and the product is just as good in many ways over the, uh, the CFA. Then we need, you know, how do we attract those people back and new people to enjoy the experience of the family led experience because for me the WSL has the feel of rugby league rugby league's a lot a lot like the WSL it's a family product fans mingle there's a lot of um you know rivalry but it's it never tips over into violence or stupidity there's a lot to be said for the women's game but it's it's tricky to sort of turn that from goodwill and profile to actually regular attendance and I think that's the trip. But you can't fault the club on that because I think City are absolutely committed to women's football from day one. But recently, they have taken this one club mantra to heart. And, you know, they are doing their best to get people on board. You know, the hospitality is good. The facilities are good. The product's good. They'll keep at it. And I, it will come. We will get 3,000, 4,000. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've got, I go to the men's games and I, I can honestly say... I've never seen, I'm not saying they don't, but I, I don't go to the other club as much obviously as I go to the Etihad. But they advertise the women every single week at the Etihad. Yeah. They're on the big screens, they're round on the on the ticker tape banners around the screens. The, the games are always up, but they're in the programme, they're in the men's programme. So the, the club really push the women's team. They have done for many years and there's no two ways about it. They do they do back up what they say about it being one club. It's not just a, a bit of um, you know rhetoric. They do they do back it up and the club would love it. And as you say, Emma, 3,000. Every week in there, with 5,000 when Chelsea, Arsenal, United come, that would be brilliant. Yeah. That would be fantastic because it would create an atmosphere. There's no two ways about it. And it does help. I don't think it's not achievable. I don't it's think not. it's a daft figure. I think it's realistic. You look at Sunday, it was on, on national television as well, and it was an awful day in the rain and everything, and still people came out because the product is good enough to, to come out for, and it's very affordable, as Paul says. Massively affordable compared to men's football. You've got to focus on the positives, I think. I, I, I used to like it when it was a summer league. I understand why it moved to a winter league. I do understand that to line the calendars up for the players. I get that. But we did have higher attendances when it was a summer league on average. I think I think the, the, the next stage in terms of getting crowds on is to have a bigger league, more regular football, and not try and make the times less weird and inconsistent so that people get in the habit of going that they know they're going to go every other week if they don't go away 
because at the moment you can have three or four weeks between games sometimes and it's madness you, you know yeah. you've got to develop a habit like you know i know with the men's team i've got 38 games or you know however many games at home and if, if i go away but generally speaking i'm at home i know how many games there are I sort of know roughly when the times are going to be and it's quite consistent and it's a habit that you form with the women's game. You, you know, you, people can come on Sunday and then they've got to wait at least two, maybe a month before we're back at home again. And that, that doesn't engender a sort of habit forming of going to games. We've got to expand the league. We've got to have, you know, give 38 game season if we can manage it, at least a 30 game season. So we have that consistency of, people know they're going to be seeing a game every couple of weeks rather than every month, which, you know, if, you, if you're if you just not that bothered, you probably think, oh, I'll just, I can't be bothered. It's a month away, you know, whereas if it's two weeks away, you think actually, yeah, that's great. You know, we can factor that into the calendar and away we go. So I think there's a lot more that the league could do to make it a much fuller WSL programme. I like that idea, you know, more games. I think I could add to that. They've got to stop the clashes with the yeah. men's games of the same team. So that yeah. people have to choose between them. That's a, that's a I mean, I mean that is a bugbear that goes back many years. Emma and we've spoke about it before. We've even had cook finals at Wembley Clash with City's men's team playing. It's ridiculous. That's got to be stopped where it can be. And stupid kickoff times. But you know, think about the fans that are traveling away. You know, yeah. uh, you know, Arsenal, we've been away to Arsenal and they've been away to us this season, both on Sunday evenings. For, let's take that one as an example. Straight away, you can't take your kids. You, you can't do it. It's it's a something they've got school the next day. It's too late. It's a long journey to London or to Manchester. You know, vice versa, whichever it is. You know, so they need to try and bring that into into play as well. And you know, sell their product because they've got a fantastic product. So push it as what it is, a fantastic product, and and give it the the best chance they can to grow. And I don't think they always do. The FA guy, I don't think they do. I think there's so there's almost there's so much congestion that they almost, and I appreciate they're doing the best they can where they can, but I don't think they're necessarily taking, it's like they don't factor in the distance and the, the you know, times being feasible. And, you know, I mean, a half 12 kickoff, you know, still isn't that great either if you're travelling down from, from Manchester, you know, I suppose it's, it's two o'clock, is I, you know, two o'clock, two o'clock is ideal. Three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, you know, is pretty old school, but... Here's the stupidity, Emma, right? The Conti Cup is at half past five. Why is it half past five? Why can't it be at three o'clock? Because the other team at Chelsea, and they're an hour away from at maximum from that ground. So they're immediately, lots of people aren't going to go to that game because lots of people don't live in Manchester. By the time you get home, there's no public transport to get home if you don't drive. The Conti Cup final, though, it's it's arranged so far in advance that you, you don't even know which teams are going to be in it before <laughs> before the final's even announced. So, you know, it could have been Arsenal-Chelsea. It could have been, you know, Tottenham. It, you know, it could have been anyone. Um, and, you know, someone's going to have to sort of be on the wrong end of it. And unfortunately, it's us again. You know, it seems that these Conti, you know, the Conti Cup... There's a couple of thoughts. Why, Firstly, why isn't it played in the Midlands? So that wherever you come yeah, from, it's it's, in terms of why is it being played at R five? Why is it being played? You know, at, at that time, so that you can't get home. When I've been, I've been to the the um, Carabao Cup at R five. You're not getting home till one o'clock in the morning, to depending on traffic. That puts people off immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, just taking the Arsenal, going back to the Arsenal game. Me and my daughter walking to the Arsenal game. We we're asking ourselves two questions: Why is it kicking off at quarter to eight for City fans? 
Because as Dave says, if you've got kids that are like five and six, they've got school the next day, they're not going. And why, why, why are we disadvantaged Arsenal fans who aren't going to get home till one or two in the morning? Why wasn't it at three o'clock or two o'clock? That's the stupidity of the scheduling where you, you, you're putting everybody out for no good reason. There's no reason why that game needs well, to be played at that time. My my theory on that is it's happened this season because Sky have taken over the broadcasting. And if you look at it, on a Sunday, if you were sat in your armchair at home, you could sit there from half past 12 right the way through. You could watch a women's game. You could watch two men's games. Was it like half past two, half past four, the men's games that are on Sky? And then another women's game at quarter to seven, quarter to eight at night. And I think that's what it is. I think they're putting the women's games early and late on Sundays, either side of the yeah. two live men's games it's so they only, don't clash. It's the only feasible explanation. It's not taking... It's great for the armchair fan because you could sit there technically and watch four games of football. Now, if that's... No, I'm sat there game, and watch four games of football. <laughs> so, 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 and especially if, it, if it's safe for argument's sake, City men were on at half past four and then City women, they'd be hoping to keep that audience if City women were on straight after them mm. and sell more spots. You know, I get it from the broadcasting point of view. But the losers in that are your match-going fans, your match-going families, your match-going away fans. Those are the losers. And do we really want to see empty grounds after the year we've just had last year? We want to see full grounds. So they should be the priority. But unfortunately, in football, men's football, women's football, match-going fans are the last consideration. That is why you'll see in the Premier League, Southampton will be away on a Monday night at Newcastle, for instance, things like that. It, it needs to change, in my opinion, for the match going fans should be prioritised, but they're not. And it, the broadcasting deals are the priority because that's where the money is. It is, unfortunately. And, you know, I think it's great that, you know, like CFA having these fan-led votes, you know, fan-led surveys, sorry, which is enabling fans to feed back the grievances as well. And, and things like that will now get listened to as well. You're right. Yeah, there's a massive FSA survey going on at the moment for fans of the women's game. I would I would advise everybody to, to have a look at that online. Have a look at, uh, they're on Twitter, at we are the FSA. Just have a look. You'll see the, I think it's the pin tweet. It's their survey. Fill it in and give your honest opinions as a supporter of the women's game, what, what you like and what you don't like about the game. Because it gives them feedback and they can use that then to hopefully make some changes. Do we talk about our next game then upon the return of the international break? <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to be playing United again, um, but this time it'll be in the FA Cup, the fifth round. Um, obviously drawn against them, but we will be playing away. And um, this is going to be a bit of a different tie, I kind of feel. I mean, they've got to play differently. Uh, they've got to take lessons away from this game. And I expect a very more, much more aggressive United in this one. It was interesting. We, I was just quite near the dugouts and you could see on Matt Skinner's face, he couldn't quite work out what was going wrong. And and, and his mate, who looked like he'd sort of come from Peaky Blinders, was jumping <laughs> down and shouting. But they, both of them were clearly thinking, there's something gone wrong here with the game plan. Matt Skinner's too smart a manager not to go away and think, what went wrong? What can I do to, to make that better? You know, they, they were missing a couple of key players. Galton and, and, and Mannion were, were both injured. And there's a couple of other players that, that, that they could probably bring back in. Um, so it will be a tougher thing. We're away from home. But again, we shouldn't fear them. And we should go there and think, let's make them fear us and play against us, make them play like we did on Sunday. If we do that, then and we take our chances more clinically, then there's every chance we can win that tie. 
um, there. And I, 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 whilst I, I don't underestimate the scale of the challenge because they are still a decent side, I think we've just got enough to to to, to nick a win over there. And and frankly, you know, they need to get out of that ground as soon as possible because it it's just you know it's not doing them any good. They need to be at a ground that's got good transport connections, and they will build bigger crowds. Uh, and and that will get get them playing a bit better, I think. Yeah, I, I don't like playing the same team twice on the trot or whatever it is. Throw into the fact it's a derby, um, they will have players back. Uh, they will be more aggressive, as you just said, Emma. Without a doubt, they want revenge. There's all sorts, and there's tactical know-how as well that that Mark's gonna will, will, will put into them. So it will be a lot of it could also balance on who which team gets full set of players back for after this international break. That could affect the teams they pick, and I'm sure you know. You'll look at it nearer the time, maybe, and see you know who's available. But I expect it to be a very tough, very close game. It would have been anyway. It will be even more so now. But yeah, there's no reason we can't go there and win. We'll have to play well, of course we will. We'll have to play very well to go there and win. But but I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will go back. And it's it's. A, I'm a little bit disappointed we keep drawing them in cups all the time because I, I don't want the fixture to be devalued as well. I want derbies to be special and be that derby day and stuff. And you know, I'd like to see these. There's another thing I'd like to see the cup draws live on TV or live. You know what I mean? Live on YouTube or somewhere we can watch them because you know we seem they seem to put us in the same county cup group every year mm. with Everton and things. And I thought I don't want the fixture to become devalued or people to go, oh god, another derby. You know, I mean, I want it to be special, but it is what it is. In the FA Cup, you know, it's you're going to have to beat these teams sooner or later. If you want to win the FA Cup, you're going to have to beat City, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, somewhere along the way. So it is what it is. We'll go there and we'll give it a go. It will be tough, but there's no reason why we can't win. Do you feel that the significance and the sort of the intensity surrounding the game and about getting the result has sort of intensified a bit? A bit? Because it seems that, obviously, United with time have, have grown, have got better, have developed as a team and, and becoming stronger in terms of opposition. Do you feel that that is reflected in these sort of, these derbies now that are coming around as often as they are? Definitely, they have improved. Yeah, because they're ahead of us in the league. So there was such a massive factor in Sunday's game. It was that, it was almost must win for us and must not lose for them. So, and then the media builds that up and it's becoming, you know, the, the circus around a derby is, is inevitable. Uh, they're both doing well in terms of being fighting for third place this season. Who knows, they might end up fighting for the title in seasons to come, the two teams, so it'll always be there. But derbies are derbies, and it doesn't matter where you are in the league. It doesn't matter, you know, if one of you is doing well, one of you is doing terrible, or you're both fighting. Fans want to win a derby. Fans want to win every game, but a derby special because, you you know, you know people and you've got friends and, you know, so... It, it's all part of it, isn't it? It's getting more and more intense because it's more, but I don't want to lose that either. And I don't want people to think, oh, well, God, they play every year in the cup. If they both got to a cup final, obviously, fair enough, but we seem to meet quite early on. And, you know, I know there's conspiracy theories knocking about. It's the Conti Cup one more than the FA Cup that seems to worry me because it's almost like they put you in regionalised groups and we keep yeah. getting the same teams. Everton's, we get Everton every year, for instance, as well. You know, it just seems a little bit, you know, let's have a little bit of variation. Maybe... As Paul was talking before about expanding the league, maybe expand the Conti Cup or change the format of the Conti Cup. You know, I've always said the Conti like Cup needs a total overhaul. Yeah, well, I think I've it never does. Been in, I've never, I, I, I do like the Conti Cup. You know, it's a cup I want to compete, I want to be in it. But um, I just think it could be so much better, so much better. You know, give it a new give it a new format, give it a new identity, give it a new sponsor and and 
just zoos you up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's we have to we have to remember sometimes that you know United was shame shamefully late into the women's game. You know, I, I got my best mate's a United fan, and he, he was embarrassed by the fact that United didn't have a women's team. So women's derbies are relatively recent phenomena, um, but because in, in, to United's credit, and I have to give them credit for this, they have invested in their women's team properly now. They've got good, good, they've had good coaches and developing good players, bringing players in and bringing people through their academy. So, you know, credit to them for that. So it's not surprising the derbies have become really intense because they're two really good sides. And I'm like, Dave, I don't want it to be devalued but it's just the look of the draw. It's, it, we don't. I think the County Cup could be done better, so we don't face them, you know. And and if we get the odd FA Cup tie, then that's so be it. But for me, we, we want to keep the special nature of a derby, and we've got a proper derby now. It's two good sides going at it with two big sets of fans, um, so it's got a real edge to it these days, you know. And in fairness um to united although they didn't play well on sunday they they they, they, they were getting stuck in you know they were they was quite they were quite they, you know, yeah. the feeling amongst the fans heading into this game it did feel like we were underdogs and it did oh, feel yeah. like you know we were a little bit you know united are, are a good team and they can get a result against us you know i'm not going to play it down I, you know they are a good team and I, and i do genuinely think a lot of people were a bit worried on sunday I was, I was, because I, I thought that they are a good side now, and I think he's a good manager. He's got on playing. They're very young side, don't forget. They're quite inexperienced, but he's got on playing to a pattern that works for them. And he's developed, you know, two or three of those players into England regulars. You know, he's a much better coach than Stoney for me. You know, he's, he's, he's a smart operator, Mark Skinner. So we've now got a proper derby. So, it, you know, we'll go into the, the, the cup game. You know, we're, I think honours even. It could go either way. You know, it won't be, there won't be much in it, uh, but I think we probably we've got enough to, to to get through. But let's celebrate the fact we've got a derby. Let's celebrate the fact that our other our neighbours have invested properly, and we've got a derby that we every season we've got two games we can go. Yeah, this is going to be tasty. This is going to be really really good quality football and a great atmosphere, because I suspect that Leeds Sports Village will be sold out. And hopefully it will be, and it'll be another rocking atmosphere because every time we get a rocking stadium, more and more people will take notice of this of the women's game, and more and more people will hopefully become regulars and enjoy what I think is a really, really great afternoon out or evening out or you know, late evening out or early morning. Early morning. <laughs> but, you know, and and all, all of these things that we've talked about, all these structural things will come as the game develops will come as the administrators get more or fair with what fans actually want and not having these stupid kickoffs and at stupid times on a Monday night, you know, where you're getting home at stupid o'clock. All of those things hopefully will change. But, you know, let's let's celebrate the fact that, you know, women's football has gone from our women's team having to pay subs and put the nets up 30 years ago to a fully professional operation that reflects well on the club, the players, and most importantly, the fans, that's progress for me, massive progress. And the things we need to tinker with now, we can do because we've got a really solid platform. Um, absolutely. Is there anything you want to add on there, Dave? That's spot on. Spot on. The club, the club is running it right. And uh, I hope Paul's right. that the, the stuff we've talked about tonight within the game as a whole are structural issues 
that as it grows, we iron out. I just want the fans to be thought about, um, your match going fans to be a priority. And that's across football as a whole, really, because your fan, you know, the year we had with no fans in the grounds for me was just awful. You know, watching on the television, it's not for me. I know it is for some people, and some people can't go, they can't afford to go. They can't. I get that. But, you know, we want fans in the grounds, and we want the women's game specifically to, to grow and grow naturally. And if I think if it's handled right across the board, that can happen. And great. And some, Sunday was, was a good start, starting point. And I don't mind the odd big game in the Etihad now and then, like we had the other year. You know, like a show, I think United are due to play a game against Everton at Old Trafford, aren't they? This season, those those sort of guys. I think Arsenal played high. Uh, he's an Ivory then at the Emirates, and Spurs have, have Spurs played at White Hart Lane. I think they have, haven't they? Yeah. You know things like that. I don't mind odd showpiece games like that because that also puts it in the spotlight. But the the, the, the big goal for me is like from a city point of view, for, for argument's sake, filling or uh, getting decent attendances in the academy stadium on a regular basis. Now, if having a, an odd say showpiece game at the Etihad helps that. And great because when we got 31,000 at the end, that was another fantastic atmosphere, a fantastic day. That you know, if that helps as well grow because we have we've lost a year, we lost a year through COVID, and so everything's been put back a year there. We've all been on hold, and we want to slowly start building again. I believe, like you know, if the national teams can all do well as well, that that could create interest. Well, I and, think that, that again will add hopefully to attendances, you know, obviously yeah. hosting. The Oros on and home soil yeah. in the summer, uh, you know. Hopefully, again, you know that's going to draw uh, new fans into the stadiums and, that was and brilliant. Yeah, and, and I, and I believe, I'm a great believer that 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 will happen. Wouldn't yeah, it? because we, they, they've got the England game at Old Trafford, I think the first game, and then we've got some games at the Academy Stadium, which a lot of us are going to and stuff like that. Hopefully, that all helps all into the pot, and at the end of it, the game's growing at a natural rate. I mean, you know, I, I get quite frustrated because I'd like to see an England friendly or in the Northwest. We haven't had one of them for a while. You know, we need, mm. you know, we, we've got two big clubs. Well, you know, and four, if you take Everton and Liverpool as well, Liverpool are starting to develop a, a decent side. You know, there's a lot of fans in the Northwest who want to watch England up here. And, you know, we could quite easily sell out one of the big stadiums, I think, if we bought yeah. it up here. I understand the, the thinking of taking it to places like Norwich and other places to build build the brand but you also need to look after the people that go week in week out um with the national side but i think if we get a good run in the euros and there's no reason to think we we won't because we've got a really good developing england squad for me um that will obviously help bring people in because uh, you know the the, the, you know, the world cup even the olympics have been really helpful in building the the profile of women's football so let's hope that we have a good euros for the national side, but also good Euros for all the other teams in in that in that tournament, because I think that coverage will really help people to think. Well, I'm going to go along and go to the what's women women's football at City for eight quid and four quid for kids. Blimey, that's cheap. You know, that's that's one of the messages we need to get across to people. That this is a very cost effective way of watching top quality football. You know, it's not, it's not cheap because the quality is not right. It's cheap because we're building the brand, but the quality of the of the product is exceptional, um, and at times can be absolutely sublime, like it was at the weekend. I don't think there's anything else to add to that. Spot on. <laughs> that. Spot on. I'm gonna leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you both for joining me so much. Uh, it was great to obviously just go back through and relive it all. Uh, great day out at the Academy Stadium with a great resort as well. Um, as you say, obviously international 
great now. Uh, a lot of players offer international duty with their respective uh, countries. So ho- hopefully we get our players back safe and well um, and fit and ready to go again. Yeah, fingers crossed. That's all. I bet Gadda's watching every single game. There's a lot to keep up with, to be fair. I feel a bit yeah. sorry for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think him and his coaching, he'll have a, his coaching sides watching all the different coaching team watching all the different games and they'll be sweating. I mean, we're almost uniquely exposed by the international break, but um I, I, I hope I mean the one good thing I think about international football now is because it's so much more professional. The management of injuries and the management of the players is so is so much more sophisticated, which means that players w- w- are less likely to come back injured than they have been in previous years because um, you know the way that they manage the England setup so professional now. Um, hopefully, we'll, we won't have too many casualties coming back, and if they do, it'll only be niggles rather than something serious. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, thank you so much both. And I will see you at the end of February, which seems ages away, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time uh, recapping on hopefully what will be a win as hopefully City will progress in the, the FA Cup or being well. But yeah, big game ahead and lots to look forward to. So cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers Emma. And you're listening to MCW Fancast. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks to Dave and to Paul for coming back on the podcast and joining me this week. Thanks also to Charlotte, who's been on editing duties for this week's episode. We'll be back post-FA Cup fifth round against United. The club have announced an away ticket allocation for the tie, which will be played at Lee Sports Village on Sunday the 27th of February. Kickoff is 12.30pm and it's likely that we will fulfil that allocation, so make sure you get your tickets early. All the details of how to book is available on the City website. Enjoy the international break and we'll see you on the other side. (laughs) 